Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Brittany Charlton for Female Startup Club. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's Dune here, your host and hype girl. Today we're joined by Brittany Charlton, who is the founder of O Foods, a company that aims to make the world a little safer and a lot sweeter by innovating in nostalgic snacks that are free from all the top allergens. Brittany started O Foods after developing her own peanut allergy out of the blue when she was 18 years old. And we talked through her journey to scaling this brand into 1,800 stores nationwide, as well as plenty of tips for founders who are going through the same process. We also touch on the importance of network and invited Brittany to host an intimate Ask Me Anything session inside of Magic, our new tool and private community for founders and future founders. The doors are now open and we'd love for you to join us as a founding member with founding member rates. Once you sign up, You'll also be able to book your one-to-one call with me so I can get in the loop with you and what you're up to. I'm so excited to meet you inside Magic. And if you have any questions, feel free to just drop me an email at hello at femalestartupclub.com. Let's get into this episode. This is Brittany for Female Startup Club. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Brittany, hi, welcome to the Female Startup Club podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for helping me. I'm so excited to be chatting to you today. How's, how's your day going? Do you have any wins or oh shit moments that are worth sharing? Hmm. For today, I would say no. Today was a pretty solid day. It was just a day at my co-manufacturer, just trying to get a lot of our orders out um, and just helping them streamline um, as we moved, like we just moved over probably two months ago. So yeah, that was most of my day and then came back um, and then just on my computer getting emails done and yeah, getting through the day. Ticking off those admin to-dos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then on the road meetings, which are always great. Yes. So fun. Oh my gosh. How do you like to introduce yourself and what your business is? Yeah. Um, so my name is Brittany Charlton. I'm the founder of O Foods. We make allergen friendly snacks that are vegan and gluten free. Our whole mission is to create inclusive snacking. So basically snacks that are completely allergen-friendly, vegan, gluten-free. They feel great to you. They're nostalgic. So our edible cookie dough, for example, exactly what like what you would have when you're younger, um, when you're like making cookies with your mom or your, your, your dad or anyone else in your family. And um, and then you go to like the bowl, but then you get in trouble because <laughs> it can literally kill you. So um so then now with our edible cookie dough, you're able to just eat it like straight from the jar, which is really cool. Um, but it's like good for you um, and not going to harm you at all. Oh, my God. Yum. I love that. So cool. And I know that your story starts from a moment that potentially could have killed you. I'd love to rewind to that time to understand 
that moment, what happened and how this sparked the idea to actually turn it into a business? Yeah. So at 18 years old, I was having a family movie night. Um, we had this every Friday. I'd always have M&M peanuts. This Friday is a little different. My throat closed. I ended up in the hospital. And from there, we found out I now had like a peanut and Trina allergy that I never had before. And so just started to make my own snacks and really just didn't really, well, I liked some products on shelf, but I just knew that to protect myself, I just wanted to make my own stuff. And then from there, my mom was like, hey, you should like share this with other people. And so then I started to like share them at like yoga studios and all that other stuff. And then slowly grew into like retail and, and started launching them and then created the name for the brand and the packaging and everything and kind of just went through the motions of building out what O is today. And yeah, but it all just started from developing that peanut and peanut allergy at 18. That is so crazy. Is that common to just develop an allergy overnight? Like, is that what we're dealing with in the world today? Yeah. So I, whenever I speak to a couple of our um, like consumers, they say like, yeah, I've, I've developed an allergy too. Like some people are like, Hey, at 30 years old, I developed an allergy and like, it's not as severe as yours, but um, yet you can really develop an allergy any, at any point. And I don't really like, I'm not a scientist, but they like, they say like, you can just develop it for any reason. Um, God. And it can literally be anything. So for me, it was peanut and tree nut. I was always lactose intolerant, but then that turned into like a dairy allergy now. So it's really interesting. Gosh, what a journey. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Did you see yourself starting a business? Like, were you looking out for ideas or was this just like not on the cards? You've had this moment and then it's just organically kind of come to life. So when I get asked that question, I think there's like two parts of it. So when I was younger at daycare, I used to make like gimp, like letters for my friend's parents. They would always ask me to do that. And then it's 3D keychains, essentially, with this string of the 90s. Oh, and, I love um, that. <laughs> and I would make those and then I would sell them to like my friend's parents. And then my dolls had like pillows. So I would make like my friends were like, oh, can I have pillows too? So my mom would like make a bunch with me at nighttime with like their initials. And then like I would go to daycare and like sell them in the front of the daycare. And then, you know, obviously make some cash or like, jean jackets like I would like like get really cool ones my mom used to like put patches on my clothes and like when we're younger that was like so cool and I remember being like okay I want to create patches so I'd create like cool patches to then sell to my friends to put on their clothes and like my daycare just like let us have this like booth at the front so it was I think I've always had it in me and then I went to school and I think before uh, now it's a little different but before it was very like you know you're at school to become a doctor lawyer something of that kind it's not like you can run a business so it was very much so like what do you want to become and then I kind of went down the path of like okay I want to become a lawyer and completely forgot about everything I did at daycare and like little things I was building so then when I had this idea though 
one thing my mom has always encouraged me is like, you know, school's always there. Like I finished my schooling that I was doing at the moment and graduated, but she's like, if you ever want to do more schooling, it's always going to be there. But the opportunities that you get in your twenties might not always be there. So you might want to take that on and go see what you can do with that. And so she really encouraged me to like go try different things. And so after I graduated, um, I was able to try to build O Foods and yeah. Wow. Shout out to your mom. <laughs> What's a, <laughs> what a great lady giving you that advice. I love that. I feel like usually parents are on the go to university, go to college, like do all these things. So I love that for you. Very cool. I want to dig into kind of that early part of your story when you were just, you know, making recipes for yourself and making your own snacks. How did you start kind of getting that, you know, getting it to your friends to try to get it to a point of being like, oh, this is actually a formula that could be turned into something. What was that R&D process like for you? Yeah, good question. So it was just a lot of like using a mixer going to like bulk barn and then like coming up with like different recipes that I wanted to try uh, and see. A lot of them didn't work. So like for a while, we just had our coconut brownie flavor and then we iterated with the apple pie. But even the apple pie, it was like, OK, at Bulk Barn, I'm buying apple rings, which in the bigger scheme of like producing product, you cannot use apple rings to produce this because you'll have to like cut them all up individually. Um, and obviously, as you scale a recipe, it's just it's, it wasn't going to work. So that was really interesting is like coming out of bulk barn and like finding ingredients and like, who are you going to use? Who are you going to partner with? What's their price? Like, can you get the best price possible to be able to scale this product and make it for an amount that makes sense for the scaling company? So yeah, it was a journey, but it was something in terms of like R and Ding, everything has been my like YouTubing or Googling. And that's been like the biggest thing is like YouTube, Google, we're so lucky to grow up in a world where we have that right now. And you can literally just look up anything um, as long as you put the right keywords in. I know like even for our edible cookie dough, I was trying to create an edible cookie dough that also turned into a cookie if you baked it. And the first iterations of the cookie dough that I was making, it couldn't turn into a cookie because of the sugar I was using. And then I had to figure out like, how do I use the sugar I want plus another sugar and like what's the ratio and it was honestly all on YouTube so yeah love the school of YouTube love it yeah (laughs) in that early phase when you were doing the recipes and and the development what are you doing to kind of like prove out your idea are you sharing it with your friends or are you trying to sell it at that point or what did it look like in terms of getting those early kind of customer feedback moments I'm always very, I, I don't say protective, but I'm, so I'm protective of my ideas normally. So I won't really tell anyone when I'm going to launch a, an item um, until I have built it out in my head and I've become so convicted on doing it. And I don't have to worry about like someone swaying me a different way because I think oftentimes we'll tell people something and then they'll say like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. And then you kind of like sway the other way. 
So I kind of wait until I feel like I've worked out pricing. I've worked out just everything in my mind for it. Um, And then once I know that, okay, this is something that's viable, then I start the process of like testing it with a few people. And normally I'll test it with like consumers who don't know me, have no stake in like whether this is like a product on shelf or not, and also have no stake in like if they hurt my feelings or not. Mm. I think that's like the best because friends and family will sometimes be like, yeah, that tastes great. And then it's biased feedback. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not the best thing. Yeah. They love you. They want to be happy for you regardless of the product. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or if it is my product, sometimes I'll take out, I'll go buy something. I'll take out that product and put in mine and then I'll hand it around to my friends and be like, oh, this is like, you know, a pro- like one of my friends' companies, like, I'd love to know what you think. They're like just doing a, a quick research thing. And they're like, oh, like, let me try that. And, and then they'll give me real feedback is what I find. So. Oh, my gosh. That's a tricky game. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever received some like unexpected feedback? No, I don't. I think all of it's expected. Like, I'm never like, I need people to love this. Like, I want to pick it apart and figure out what I can do better on. Um, Even like our products now, like, they're amazing. But like, how can we make them better? And I'm always asking that question of like, what else do you want to see from us? Like, is it a sugar thing? Is it like ingredients? Like, I don't know, is it like one ingredient that you want to see gone? Right. So it's just like they taste great, but it's like, what else can we do to make it even better um, and keep improving it? So I'm always looking for that feedback. And and that's really what I want is that like genuine feedback of how else I can improve this, because it might be something I've never thought of. Um, and then someone tells me and I'm like, oh, OK, that's actually a really good idea. Like, let me go see if I can make that possible. Mm, absolutely. I always love to ask about the money piece and how much it cost a founder to get started. What did you need to invest to get through kind of R&D, your first batch of products and the launch? I think, okay, so for me, it was a little different just because of how I launched. I launched starting with yoga studios, like really, really small. Um, And then we went to like, you know, retail stores. So I would say for us, it cost me about $5,000 to get started. And that's like from incorporating, but again, incorporating by myself because I already had that like legal background to do that. And then from there, everything else is like packaging, ordering and ingredient ordering and then shipping and anything like that, that goes into it. But I'd say it cost me about $5,000 to start. And then once I started getting into retail, um, and had to get like the proper packaging and everything that goes on shelf. Um, that was anywhere between ten to like twenty thousand dollars. And when you got started, how were you thinking about the blueprint for you? Were you thinking, oh, I'm just going to bootstrap this as long as possible, or were you like, I'm going to go out and raise money as soon as possible? What was your kind of approach to building this brand when it came to working capital? Yeah, good question. Um, So to be honest with you, I was very like, when I first started, it wasn't like I was doing this because I thought this was like a business. I was still like, this is really fun for me. Like when I was starting with my, the first product that we ever created was like an ice cream that was made from like real strawberries. And so I'd go to the field by my house, pick strawberries 
and then like make ice cream and then sell them to stores. Yum! But like obviously (laughs) in the grand, (laughs) but obviously in the grand scheme of things with doing that, like obviously if I get more orders, I can't just go continue to go to the field and like it's not scalable. Um, And then we had like hot chocolate at one point, which is so good. But then again, um, wasn't scalable from like a perspective of like Canadians in the summer just don't buy hot chocolate. And then, you know, moving to our bites, it's really wouldn't change. But I think with getting started, I knew that I just wanted to like play around and test the market first and like really know my market before I took on someone else's capital. So I didn't take on capital until this year when I like already knew the market, knew what I was going after, had like distribution um, with like some really big retailers that I could like actually put money behind to continue to scale. And when I really knew, I like when I felt like I knew what I was doing. So I didn't want to just take on money and then not know what to do with it. And I think had I taken money when I first started, I don't think I'd be here today. Like, I think I would have went under because I wouldn't have been as scrappy as I was and understood like the value of, of the dollar that I'm being given. What was that point for you to raise money in terms of like, was it a certain amount of contracts in stores or was it a certain amount of sales through your website or what was that kind of tipping point where you were like okay now I feel comfortable and confident that I could go out and raise capital yeah it wasn't like a it wasn't like revenue or anything like that it was more of like um okay I have for example we have Walmart Canada we are like okay that is an account we really want to put you know dollars behind we know that uh, consumers love our product at this point. I know who I'm making this product for. And I know that if I'm able to fund my, you know, purchase orders and hire the right team behind me and build out manufacturing with our co-packer, I can like be really successful. And so that's when I was like, okay, this needs to deploy capital. But before it was very like, I'm still testing out. I don't know who my consumer is. I don't know who like I should sell to. Um, I don't know if the retail stores that I'm in are really producing for us and like the best retail stores to be with and partner with. And then I also didn't know how to partner with them really deeply either. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I know how I need to be partnering with this retailer and I know exactly what they expect of me and I know what this needs to look like. And I think For me, at least, it was just being comfortable with knowing what the next steps needed to be and that if I put money on that, that that was going to make sense and that I wasn't going to waste someone's money and that I was going to be able to use it in the best case. That's so interesting. And this is probably a really stupid question, but how did you actually figure out who your customer was? Like, obviously, people are buying and and you're kind of like talking to people, but how did you be like, okay, my customer is X? Mm-hmm. It was a lot of like, so social media will help you with that. Like if you're online, we don't sell a lot direct, but what we do is a lot of like consumer insights. So we'll say like, Hey, do you have children? Like we ask a lot of questions of our consumers who are online following us, buying from us. And then also asking like someone like, Hey, why are you buying it? 
even if I'm in a grocery store and I see someone like pick up my product, I'm like, oh, like, tell me about that product. Like, what do you like about it? Like, why are you buying it? Um, and kind of just getting like consumer feedback that way too. And oftentimes like they don't know that I'm like the founder. So they'll give me like really good feedback. Or even if I see someone pick it up and put it down and I'm like, oh, like, have you ever tried that? Like, why did you put it down kind of thing? And they'll tell me too. Like one person was like, you know, I don't love maple syrup for my product. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's like right. really good insight. Whereas I wouldn't have known if I didn't ask. So I'm always someone who's like, if you don't ask, you don't get the answers and like closed mouths don't get fed. So I'm always like asking questions and like being really curious with people. Um, even if I like, even if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm like, I need to know, like, why did you put that down? Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. Or just like, you know, just asking questions, but yeah. That's so interesting. So it's kind of like almost pulling in data from different sources, i.e. social media or an email or something like that, plus anecdotal information when you're just talking to someone and building this multidimensional picture of what your consumer is like. Yeah. And then going out and being like, okay, I know who she is or I know who he is now and I can take this information to a retailer that sells to that same consumer. And the second part of the question You said, you know, now you know how to do deep partnerships and really partner with the retailers. What does that mean? Like, how has that evolved or or what does that look like? Yeah. So I guess before I would like put the product on the shelf and then I, in the very beginning, I would think, okay, this is just going to sell. Like it goes on the shelf and someone must see it. And like, you're just going to make like so much money from just someone just seeing it, which is not the case. And I think a lot of people do that where they'll just put a product down and they're like, okay, people are just going to know about it. A couple of things like to go deep with the retailer would be like social media. Are you promoting it? And like when you're promoting it, like deeply promoting it, not just like posting it and hoping for the best, but like, are you putting ads behind it? For us on Walmart, we actually partnered with their ad people to really do ads on like walmart.ca which I had no clue I could even do until I asked, like, hey, can we do this? And they're like, yeah, of course. And then we do our own social media. And then also partnering with, like, the retailer. The retailer has the consumer sitting there. So, like, can you go on their social media and partner with them? Um, we, We haven't been able to do this with Walmart, but with other retailers, we've been able to, like, go on their social media, promote our product, really talk about like who we are, what we're doing, and then bring their customers to our page that way as well. I would say like flyer ads, obviously when you have a flyer, someone sees it, it's on sale. That's amazing. Um, Demos are a really big one. So are you, you know, like allowing people to see your product? And then the last one is like merchandising. Like what does it look like on shelf? Are you allowing for the consumer to have like an experience on shelf where it's like, wow, I love this product. Or is it like, this is chaos every single time I see this product on the shelf. Um, And so for us, we take merchandising really seriously. All last week, we went to like all of the Walmarts in Ontario and merchandised on shelf. And obviously in a bigger picture, what that will look like is hiring a merchandising team to really help us out there. But right now being like, the feet on the street for us, um, whether it's like someone in sales or marketing, what that helps us do is understand like the bigger picture as to why someone's buying at Walmart instead of just sending another team to do it. So I think when you have hands 
on your product at all times and you're able to really pick up some really key data, you're able to then see why is this selling? How is it selling? And then how do I sell more of it because of what's happening? And then also connecting with like each store to be like, how can I create like a display in your store of my product? So when the consumer comes to your store, they see a huge hub of it because as consumers, we love seeing like displays a product instead of it just being like one off. Right. So yeah, those are a couple of things. They're so great. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. Is it you kind of leading those conversations being like, can we do this? Can we do this? Or does the retailer come to you and be like, do you want to do this? It's really you that needs to lead that conversation. Um, Sometimes it is the retailer that will say like, Hey, do you want to do this? And then you can say yes. But like when you take the initiative to like, send a report out to your buyer with like key insights for them to just see so they don't have to go pull it on their own about your product or, you know, just take those little like initiatives on your own. It brings back so much more value for you than having just sitting there being like, well, they're going to tell me what I need to do because you have to think about it. Like my buyer probably has over 10,000 SKUs to look after or let's say 3,000 or even 50 whatever the case is, they have, it's not one or two. So if it's 50 or even 3000, you can imagine I'm getting lost in between every single person if I don't speak up and ask for what I want. And so I think for me, at least it's worked best by being like, Hey, I would like to do this and this from this date to this date. Is that possible? And then after this date, can we see if this is possible? And then really building out like a storyboard for my buyer being like, okay, um, once I hit this threshold, I would love to do this. Like, is that possible? And then them being like, if you hit that, yeah, like I'd love to do that with you. I'd love to partner with you on that. Um, And that's very different than, that's like building your success instead of having someone else build out your success because it might not be what you want it to look like. Yes, I love that. That is such good advice. Don't sit around waiting for someone to come to you with the opportunities, create those opportunities, go out and pitch them go out and work for them. Gosh, I love that. That's great advice. Thank you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I want to go back to... I feel like I skipped ahead of it. I want to go back to marketing in the beginning. You said you started in the yoga stores. You were kind of doing not scalable types of initiatives with the products and where you were stocking. And then at some point you reached a tipping point with a certain product. I want to kind of focus in on that time frame to understand like how you were getting the word out there, how you were approaching these stores and eventually what led to that tipping point. Yeah. So the beginning of Bites is when I really launched um like our into yoga studios and the other products I couldn't do yoga studios. I was more doing like one-off shows, but with the bites, I was able to do yoga studios. Yoga studios were great for like finding the consumer as well. Like those are moms normally who are going to the grocery store. So like that moms are who we actually cater to. And so it kind of worked out now today. What that looks like is more activations than selling to yoga studios. So going in, handing out a free package after their class and then they're having to like follow us and you know give us a review or whatever that case is but it's there's different ways to get like scrappy with the bigger picture of marketing like even now we just gave out 300 packages of our snacking bites online to like consumers who wanted to try it and we just want people to try the product because we know once they try it they're probably going to go to a store see it pick it up from there um and we've seen that happen with the first time that we did the trial um of 300 packages online randomly being like hey we're giving it out go to our website like slide through and what that gives us is like it gives us emails it gives us reviews but we can then take those reviews, move them over to walmart.ca or any retailer. And then it also gives us uh, more insights. So like we ask people to do a survey um, to tell us about like, the product, the feel in their mouth, like what did they like about it? What did they not like about it? So it gave us a little bit more insight that way too. And that didn't cost me a lot. That cost me, I believe like $500. Oh, wow. Do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like small like things. And there's just different ways of sharing things that you can go about. Um, I, I'm always about like finding scrappy ideas to get trial going and then allowing for that to like track back to marketing in any way, which is whether it's like an email um, coming back to us. We get a lot of SMS um, subscribers from that as well. Um, and then we also get customers who are like, OK, wow, I love that product. And then come to our website and buy again or go to the store and buy. Or we see an uptick in our numbers. Like when we did the coconut brownie free samples online, when I looked at my store data, I then saw an uptick in like 
coconut brownie being purchased. So just like little things that you can do to kind of bump sales, but also allowing that trial to happening. And then that marketing that in the early days, it was really just like, again, going to trade shows, um, meeting different individuals, and then like tacking on to like influencers online and um, getting people to try the products for free and, and then hopefully share it. Um, And that's still very much so like what we do today too. Like it's, it's very like, how can we get the word out without spending like all of our cash? Um, Even though we've raised capital, it's very much so like, how can we be scrappy with every dollar that we have? If you're giving out like 300 products, you know, in this quarter or this quarter, if you were to look at your overall, like I have X amount of units, what's the percentage that you would use for sampling and kind of freebies? Yeah, good question. It really depends on what you're doing. Like if I'm doing a show, I bring a lot more freebies and samples. Um, But something like this, like an activation like this, it's more of like, what's the budget that we want to set on an activation? And then what's the ROI that we believe we're going to get? So if we believe that no one's going to be purchasing or they're going to be purchasing at retail and not so much on our online website, then it's like, okay, what's the activity that we need to do to get to this number in retail? And it's not, it's not necessarily like a percentage. It's more of like, okay, we probably need to give out or have at least 300 new people try it. And then that will bring us hopefully maybe I would say out of 300, maybe a hundred people will drop off, not love it, but hopefully 200 people at least love it and then go to the store and buy it and pick it up. And then just figuring out what the conversion rate is from there. But it's, I wouldn't say like there's a percentage. It's more of like, what are you willing to give up and what are you okay with giving up? Obviously in the early days, I couldn't give away 300 units of my product I think in the early days, we did something like this. And it was more of like, I think I only gave away like 50 units. And that still converted for me, allowing people to try it. But it's like coming up with like small spurts. So now we do it more often where we're like, okay, we're going to do this 300 units probably every other week or so. um, Just get new consumers trying the product. And then when it no longer works anymore, we'll find some another initiative to be doing, like activations in yoga studios or rock climbing places or just anything that like allows people to like try the product in person. But it's just thinking about like what do you what is that ROI that you want to see and how can you see that? And then coming out from there. That is so interesting. How have you found like you know, obviously we've talked a lot about sampling and in-person activations and demos. How have you found influencer marketing for you? Has that been a channel that's successful or is it not as successful as RIL sampling? Yeah. um, So how we use influencer marketing is very much so like we want your best friend to tell you about our brand instead of us telling you about our brand. So I found it to be really great uh, when people are like, we'll have people go to Walmart for us or go to a retailer and um, whether it's Healthy Planet, Goodness Me, anyone and um, pick up our product and record the whole process of like them going into the store, picking up the product. And I've had so many people be like, 
that was so cool that someone went to the store and like picked up your product and they don't see it as like an influencer. They see it as like their friend, like just told them about it because of how we run our program. It's not so much like we, we don't only connect with people who have like the top followers and like, that's it. It's like, even if you had like a hundred followers, if you love the brand, I'd love to work with you and figure out how you can tell your hundred people about the product and then expand from there really um, and keep going. So it's really just like, how can we become like a company that has like friends telling friends about the product? Um, And that's really how we run our, like our influencer marketing. And I find it to be really effective when we run it that way, when we are running it more like using the top people and like, you know, paying X amount, I, we don't see return on that, but we definitely see return when it's like, okay, a friend told me about this um, and it's operated like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes so much sense as well. A peer-to-peer recommendation versus something that feels like a placement, like an ad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like an ad. Exactly. I feel like we've talked a lot about, you know, marketing and that journey for you. Something else we love to touch on on the show is the challenges and or maybe the mistakes that have happened that are the things that people don't see on social media. You know, you're obviously massive now. You're in 1,800 stores. You're all over the place. What are the kinds of challenges that you're going through as you built this business? Yeah, Um, Well, we're still small. (laughs) So I think there's, um, there's so many. (laughs) There's um, a building out the team. That's been a a challenge and and figuring out like, you know, um, at every mark, like what piece do I need to move the needle a little bit further, a little bit further. And that's currently like where I'm at right now is like, how do I continuously build out our dream team of like who we need on there and, and really building out the vision as well. And then the next challenge is definitely figuring out uh, the right marketing mix, obviously. So how are we getting consumers to know about the product to a point where they know about it before us even like really telling them about it and like really getting our messaging across as, as clearly as possible. Um, so those are like two challenges that I'm working on right now. Gosh, the cha- the marketing mix. I feel like that's everyone wants the, the everyone's trying to find the secret sauce for their brand and, and what that mix looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any success with TikTok? How's TikTok going for you? Yeah, no, uh, TikTok for us, we haven't been as consistent as we should be. So it's definitely something that we're going to start to look into for, for 2023, I know right now we're really focused in on Instagram and um, we've been really focused in on like YouTube shorts. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And figuring out how to, how to make that work for us as well. And then we like, you know, we'll, we'll be on you on, on TikTok, sorry, but we're not as consistent as we should be. And then once, I think once we are consistent, maybe we'll see some great growth from there. But yeah. Have you seen any growth on YouTube shorts? Yeah, yeah. Finding like, because YouTube just shows it to like every and anyone, right? So it's like, it's not, there's no, like, we'll get like random messages um, from so many people, but 
it's really interesting being on there. It's kind of like a TikTok too, quite honest with you. In terms of like the videos that you share, you can probably go a little bit longer and then people will watch it because it's YouTube. But I'm also thinking about like long form video, like, you know, how does that perform for some brands and like showing more behind the scenes of like what we're working on? Because a lot of our consumers, like that's what does the best for us is like that really cool behind the scenes of like our product being mixed or us being at a trade show or like what goes in to go into a trade show. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's so interesting. I've always been such a big fan of the content of like Ben Francis at Gymshark, you know, going behind the scenes, showing you really how they're building this business. And even Midday Squares does this in a really great way too, you know, showing that side that no one really gets to see. Yeah, exactly. When you think about the lessons that you've learned in this journey so far, is there anything that you wish you knew when you were just starting out that you can share to our listeners who are, you know, in the early stages of building their businesses? Yeah. Um, hmm. One thing I wish I knew would be um, the power of networking and who you had in your network and how they, that could help you in so many facets, uh, whether it be for raising capital or, just to ask a question to on how to build the next part of your company or even for hiring, just having like people in your back pocket that you can call on. Um, I know like once I started to build my network, I was able to like find consultants who were like, yeah, I would love to help you and really came on board to help me out. Um, Whether that be like a mindset coach or a leadership coach or really just anyone to help me with like sales, marketing, anything like this morning, actually one of my mentors that I've been in contact since uh, last year with, like, she's like, you know, you told me what you want to achieve. And I thought about it more and I know this person and I'm connecting with them. And they've been like in marketing for like 50 years. And like, they're so amazing. Uh, and they've worked on like crazy brands and they would love to talk to you. And so like, you know, now I'm I'm having a meeting with them tomorrow. And I think for me, like those relationships are like priceless that, you know, if I didn't go out and like make them, there's so many conversations I wouldn't get to have. So I think building your network early is so, so important. I mean, 100% something that, you know, we've heard this come up on the show time and time again about the importance of building network. And it's also something we hear a lot of our listeners talk about. And that's why we have a private network. Just going to give it a little plug here called Magic. (laughs) But we have women from the show come in and share kind of a blueprint around something very specific. And I know that there's a lot of women in the network who would probably love to talk to you and have advice from you being 10 steps ahead of where they are. So would love to invite you to come back in there anytime that you're free. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be amazing. What does the future look like? What do you want to shout about and tell us about? Hmm, The future for us um, next year is just a lot of US building. So um, that's like what our team's excited about um, and working on. And uh, yeah, it's just going to the USA and building out our inclusive snacking mission and and going from there. Global expansion. Love it. Yes. (laughs) How exciting. Thank you. Hey, it's June here. 
Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. <laughs> <laughs>